2: Hey, how are you? It is a Birch 365 morning. here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel, and you got your boys, Mac Mac, Johnny McMullen and Jody McDonald here with you, who are suffering through the cold. Man, Johnny Mac, didn't you just have a cold? How you feeling today, by the way?
3: Uh, feeling pretty well. Still, uh, still in the back end. But yeah, I'm, uh, I'm... Ninety six point seven percent. I'm going to gauge it. It you. sounds
2: like your temperature, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Um, and it's not a good thing because <laughs> as we get this show underway. John and I both have to prep and get ready. And then uh, Xander punches us up. We're both already outside with our pooches today. I I had to run out yesterday. I got my car. And I guess my car was like sitting in the sun a little bit. So it
3: was
4: was
2: 75 degrees in my car in February. It was 75 degrees. And I drove around. Oh, it went all the way down to 72. So it was a little over at 75, but 72 degrees. I went out this morning and said, uh, I should have brought my hat. What the hell? How does it yeah. go from so hot to so cold in? Well, uh, I I just pulled up. Period?
3: I I just pulled up the old weather app. It's thirty two degrees out oh. right now, so it's officially freezing, and it says flurries in ten minutes, Jody. Ten minutes, and it was seventy five in my car yesterday. How
2: the hell is it flurrying twelve hours later? Not even Maybe. twelve hours.
3: It's February. Yeah, it's and, not good. Uh, that's good. how people end up getting sick. Uh, but
2: we'll try and stay the course. Over the next two hours, neither one of us is going to pass out by sickness or exhaustion. We'll give you the full two-hour effect here. Uh, and, yes, it's a throwdown Thursday. We're down to just 200 days until the Eagles kick off the 2022 200.
3: season. 200. Ooh. We have, we have ships in the night. What number of this, is this, Birds 365? Birds 365. The, this is show number the calendar. two. 218 show 218 i'm gonna start that i got my uh, little cards here show 218 and only
2: 200 days till the opening sunday of the nfl season i don't think the eagles are going to be on that thursday night they usually reserve that for a team that went to the super bowl usually a team that won it sometimes it's the team that lost it but it is kind of a reward game and a first national primetime game I don't think the Eagles will be playing that. Just a guess on my part, so that's why I'm tracking. There we though. say
3: twenty twenty-three though. We want to look that far ahead. That's that's got Thursday night written all over.
2: Oh, look listen <laughs> to you starting the show on an optimistic And yeah, The uh, Eagles are going to the Super Bowl this is more of a, a
3: stand up comedian, uh, thing.
2: They're very good. Um And if they're going to do just that, they're going to have to have a uh, big next couple of months. We are now less than three weeks away from the start of the NFL New Year, which signifies a couple of things. You can start juggling contracts and, of course, the opening to free agency. Uh, One thing I did want to touch on today, and sure enough, I just saw it uh, when we were prepping for the show. um, The Kansas City Chiefs released Hutchins, uh, linebacker, who I don't know (laughs) if the Eagles would be in on or not, uh, but Anthony Hitchens, uh, a good, solid player, uh, and they saved over $8 million in cap space. He was being uh, pretty significantly paid. That's the market that none of us know. We know who's a free agent right now. We know who's going to hit the market, what uh, level player they are. We can speculate on what kind of contract they're going to get, and we can see if they fit needs for the Eagles. But then there's the secondary market that always kicks in. This one's a little early, like two and a half, three weeks early. It usually kicks in once teams target another player, don't have quite the salary cap space to be able to, and they prioritize the free agent over someone who's already under contract for them. And yeah, they'll they'll attempt to trade them, but most times that's not the case. They end up just releasing a guy like that. How big a secondary market do you think we're going to have this year?
3: Um, I think it's going to be big for this reason. I think more teams around this league, we always talk about the copycat nature of this league. They kind of realize that that first wave of free agency is when you're overpaying guys and, you know, on the other end, teams are typically smart enough. You know, this is the time of year <clears throat> where people start talking about, Oh, Devonte Adams and Teron Armstead and, and, You know, they look at Green Bay's and Cap Hell, and New Orleans is even deeper in Cap Hell. And those guys are going to be available. I still would hesitate on that very, very much. So we're in that phase where people say, hey, so-and-so is set to be a free agent. Um, What if we get him? What if if we get him? I know you talked about the Williams guys. I mean, you could argue – Mike Williams and Marcus Williams. Uh, You could argue both of them are are top 10 free agents uh, in in the projected markets. Um, And they're, they're interesting cases because they're good players, but they're not great players. And if they hit the open market, they're going to get overpaid, man. And they are, you're going to have to pay a premium. And, all of that comes into it when you pay somebody like their Demonte Adams uh, or or somebody in that range. Well, people expect Demonte Adams, and when they don't get him, it's almost guaranteed disappointment. You know, you know what I mean, Jody. So sure. they come in with these expectations, those types of players, and. A lot of times it's a failure just because of that. They might be good players, but they're getting overpaid and more is expected of them. In Philadelphia, I always go to the NBA comparison. Andre Iguodala was a darn good player here, but people never seem to realize it because of how much money he got paid, and he got paid like a superstar at the time, and and they got lost in the weeds, not understanding "Eh, it's a pretty good player. That's what happens in free agency. So teams have gotten smarter and smarter and smarter and more teams wait out that first wave and, and try to get the bargains and try to sip through it. And, and we talk all the time, but it works both ways. I mean, Trey Hendrickson, I, I, I saw people killing Cincinnati last year for some, how could you give that guy 14 and a half million dollars and he gets 14 and a half sacks. Ironically, he might've got even more than that, but um. Sometimes it works, but more often than not, it, it's it's a disaster waiting to happen. And I think the Eagles are firmly entrenched. They might go after one guy. And, you know, if you look at the, the space they have, Marcus Williams would be the guy I would center in on because they need a safety. Um, that's a good player. You probably got to overpay a little bit for him. They might get in that type of business, and 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 he might hit the market because of New Orleans' problems. So you might have a perfect storm type situation. But if they do go that route, they go that route knowing Marcus Williams is going to be, especially in this town, he's gonna he's gonna be up against it just because of the expectations.
2: Right, and I uh, pretty much sign on to uh your evaluation of how players are evaluated and your salary absolutely has something to do with it and it usually annoys me when players don't get that and don't understand that if you get a pretty damn big contract then their their agent should be able to keep them in the loop as to what other guys around the league are making and hey we're in a good spot we've got leverage i can get you more than a comparable player because he's under contract The players should realize that. And every once in a while, you get a player who doesn't realize it. Like, oh, let me give you an example. Tobias Harris, who got booed earlier this year by Sixer fans because he was struggling. Guess why, Tobias? Not because you've all of a sudden become a bad player. Because he's not. He's a good player. He's a very good player. He's just not a max money player. And he's sitting on a max money deal. So he's got to realize the expectations that come along with that. But the fans, and this is where I get annoyed, they make him out to be a god-awful player. Well, he's not a god-awful player. He's a good player. He's a very good player. He's just a guy who's not living up to his contract at that exact moment. He's actually had a little nice run, and he's getting closer to living up to the contract. But that's part of the game, and that's part of being a fan, no matter what sport you're talking about. Here on Birds 365, we're talking about the Eagles. I'm with you. I think they've got one big play in them. I've said it a couple times here. I want Williams and Williams. I want both Mike and Marcus. I don't think they're getting both. I think they're both going to be top three or four paid at their position in this free agent class. And if Eagles get both of those guys, they're probably robbing Peter to get Paul. And they're going to come up short somewhere else in other positions in need. Yeah, I think they've got one big play. So you think it's more likely the cornerback position than the wide receiver position if they're going to overpay for somebody slightly?
3: Well, I, I'm, I'm just looking at sort of the landscape and, you know, from Marcus would be Marcus is a safety. So obviously they have a, uh, uh, you know, defensive back, but they have um Anthony Harris and Ronnie McLeod are both free agents. And I don't think they're bringing back both. Let's put it that way. And you could argue they shouldn't bring back either. Uh, it's a position of need. It's a good player. Um they've had success from New Orleans before at the safety position, even though that shouldn't matter, it matters. Um and then when you look at somebody like Mike Williams, um, you know, I think he's gonna stay number one with with the Chargers. Um I haven't you think they
2: dealt- uh, franchise tag him.
3: Well, I, I don't know if they're gonna franchise tag him, but I look at it from the perspective of where would you rather be as a wide receiver than with Justin Herbert and not to mention Southern California. We went through it with the Rams. People like being there for weather reasons, even though there's some probably tax reasons you should probably try to get out. But um, yeah, you know, I mean, Los Angeles is just a place people want to play and then you dump on top of it. Oh, well, well, you also get to play with Justin Herbert as a receiver and you know, what that means for your career. I just find it very hard to believe if the chargers want them and I don't see why they wouldn't want them that, that they couldn't get something uh, banged out with him.
2: Here's where I think Eagle fans will be disappointed. I don't want to be a naysayer and a uh, throw fuel on the fire kind of guy. I think the wide receiver position is going to be a place where Eagle fans, when all said and done, and we've got 200 days from now when we've got kickoff, I don't know if they're going to have as much upgrade at the wide receiver unless they get lucky and hit a day three wide receiver pick and the guy flashes brilliantly in preseason. I think everyone wants to say, I know I've said, if I said it once here on the show, I've said it 20 times. I'd prefer not to see Jalen Rager in an Eagle uniform ever again. That uh, they they really could, should, need to move on from him. Um, Tim McManus, our buddy for ESPN in one of their late uh, columns wrote that uh, players that need a change of scenery could mm-hmm. be improved from a change of scenery, uh, offered up Jalen Rager as the Philadelphia Eagle. Uh, can I second that emotion?
3: Yeah. There's I an think inter- everybody understands that. The, but yeah, I think the Eagles understand that, to be honest. But the problem is... um. Yeah, you're not getting anything for him. So you know, do you want to release him, where he's under his rookie deal, and and bring him back and let him compete again in training camp? I mean, that's the problem with these types of situations. <clears throat> when you play that poorly and you underperform to that point, and you have no real tangible value in 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 the league, you know, teams tend to look at it. Well, we can't get anything for him. He's under a rookie deal. Let's bring him back and see what happens. And then all of a sudden you're you're blocking other people from opportunity almost. That's the problem with it. And, you know, you say wide receiver. I agree with you. Mike, you know, people are talking about Mike Williams or Allen Robinson or even Odell Beckham. Um, no, they're not going in that range. Um, but there's plenty of wide receivers on, on the, that will be on the actual free agent market that could be an upgrade. And – I know we talked to somebody about uh, Dallas and, and raiding Dallas. Uh, I forget who it was. Maybe you remember. Um, and Michael Gallup's out there. Cedric Wilson's out there. I mean, those would be huge upgrades and Michael Gallup, obviously coming off the ACL. It was, but uh, be...
2: it was Barrett. Barrett came Barrett. out. And said,
3: okay. Let's uh, raid yeah. the Cowboys. Yeah. Um, which I kind of agree with because it, it's that old adage, you know, you, you're not only making your team better. You're, you're hurting a rival if you can get one of those guys. Now, Gallup might be out of their price range as well, but you throw in the ACL, and who knows? we got to see what his market is. Uh, but a guy like Cedric Wilson, I mean, it's better one than what the Eagles have. I mean, they can get somebody on the... You were talking about that second level of free agency. They can get somebody on the second level of free agency that's significantly better than what they have. But the second part of that, Jody, is they gotta have a spot for him. If you're keeping spots for Jalen Regner, JJ Arthanga, Whiteside, well, you know what are we doing here? Are we trying to get better, or are we just trying to 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 run out the clock, so to speak, on rookie deals. And, well, I think they've run out the clock on J.J. orsega side. I don't
2: think he's going to be back uh, because uh, they're in the year number four, so the cap hit won't be so bad. And that's the problem with Jalen Rager, that a guy like yours truly wants to see Jalen Rager gone in the worst way. What would I trade him for? A bag of popcorn? Uh, no, uh-huh. I don't even think you can get anything of significance. I don't think he can be traded. I think he would have to be released. But here's a problem with releasing him. He's scheduled to make three million and change. His dead cap hit would be seven million and change. So, do you want to give up four million dollars in cap space to get nothing in return just to get him off your team? Yeah, I'm tempted to happen. say yes, but I know that that's not going to happen. Yeah. Given the chance to roll the dice, cross your fingers, and think that somehow the light bulb comes on and Jalen Rager becomes a player. And that first-round draft pick that you wasted on him, I won't even go to the comp of Justin Jefferson, just the fact that he was a first-round pick, uh, you can pry a little of the egg off your face, and that's where the Eagles are going to go. He's going to be back on this football team next year, even though yours truly and many others desperately want him elsewhere.
3: Yeah, I agree. Um, You just hit the nail on the head. I mean, it costs more to get rid of him than to keep him. And that's where the opportunity part of it comes into the equation. If, if you think that way, and I'm not criticizing the Eagles because most teams think that way, but the back end, the unintended consequence of that is you're limiting somebody else's opportunity that could help you and help this particular football team. If be just a placeholder, as I say, you're trying to run out the clock on the rookie deal. Yeah. And, and that kind of gets into the larger debate of where you think you are. Do you think you're a, a capable team of taking a a, a leap and making a significant playoff run? And then maybe you start entertaining. All right, we just got to get a good player in here. But if you're in that transitional phase still that Jeffrey Lurie said about last year and everybody says, well, the Eagles aren't close. The Eagles aren't close to look at the Rams, look at the Bengals. Um, if you're still in that, thought process, then probably you're going to run out the clock with Jalen Rager.
2: Well, and the other way, the Eagles, depending on how free agency breaks, both John and I think they will try and get a top flight wide receiver. (laughs) If they can't, they'll get a secondary free agent wide receiver. What if they come up short in both of those areas and they are going to lean on the draft as a possibility? Johnny Mack just wrote an article for Philly Voice about how they can't possibly use another first-round pick. It's probably right. Second round, third round, day three.
3: Well, the- you know, by the way, and we're going to have Rick Serratella on, I, I've also said, and look, I don't think they're taking three first-round picks. I'm on record with that. But sometimes you're forced to do it. Sometimes you want to do something, but you got to have two to tango, right, Jody? So sure. just because you want to trade something and, and kick another and maybe get another first-round pick in the 2023 draft doesn't mean you can. So if they're forced to take three first-round picks, I I have said, and I believe this, there's no way they're taking three defensive players. That is not in Jeffrey Lurie's DNA. They have an offensive head coach. They will get antsy. If they have to take three first-round picks, there will be an offensive player in there. There's no question in my mind. There is no way this organization – is taking three defensive players, All even right, though well, they but, probably should. If
2: that's the case, does it have to be an offensive lineman? Because it's, no, be it's not going to be a tight end. It's not going to be a tight end. It's not going to be a wide receiver. You said that in the column the other day. It's not going to be a quarterback. Well, no, it's not going to be a running back. That only not, leaves the offensive line. If you're guaranteeing an offensive player, it's got to be an offensive lineman in the first round.
3: No, but it, it's going to be an offensive lineman. A receiver or a quarterback. Um, and I and Shield Capadia, I believe, brought that up. Look, the sense of urgency of having those three first-round picks, it also gives you sort of a safety net to and and people and, and Sheila and I have thought about this the same way for a while. Why not take two darts at the dartboard? You might not like. Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, I think Malik Willis is the guy who's not going to be there, certainly. But if one of those guys falls and and you think they have a – she'll called it a 10% shot of being a high-ceiling player, you know why not roll the dice and have two shots, two bites at the apple? So you have an evolving Jalen Hurts. You have a cost-effective rookie quarterback under uh, a, a rookie deal for five years if you need it uh, as well. The Eagles can go that route as well. Now, ultimately, what I said in the Billy Billy Boys piece was they're not they're not taking I they're not taking a wide receiver because I don't believe they're taking three first round picks. But if they're forced to take three first round picks, wide receiver will be in the mix. Mm-hmm. One offensive player will be in the mix. So you,
2: so you're not completely dismissing the wide receiver possibility. Lines have uh, certain dominoes have to line up, but there is a possibility you think that they could take a wide receiver. Yeah,
3: they're right. they're not disciplined enough to take three defensive players. No way.
2: Well, we'll run that by our first guest today, uh, Rick Saratella from NFL Draft Bible scheduled to jump aboard. Uh, We're less than a week away from the combine, which is the first. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. The All-Star Games, the senior bowl and the like is the first domino. This is a big domino in talent evaluation for the draft come April. We'll get some feelings on strength, of position and the like from our buddy Rick Saratella from NFL Draft Bible next here on Birds 365.
7: Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little.
8: I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right. Just by talking with Brian in my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and
7: find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. (laughs)
4: Field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
2: Get your maximum, guys. Number 365, McMullen and McDonald. We just had Rick Saratella there. He's going to rejoin us in just a couple of seconds. He's having some computer issues. When he's ready to punch him up, we'll do just that. Yes, the draft is still a couple months away, but the combine is less than a week away. So that means we're in the Rick Saratella NFL Draft Bible season. How are you, Riggy?
9: I'll tell you guys, you're making me excited
3: with the Ocean Casino Resort. I'll be yeah. down there later today. So All right. was, yeah. yeah. A little shout out. Yeah, that's right. We call it Howie season here in the Delaware Valley, as you know, Rick. But I call it Rick season. Rick Saratella season. Dial uh it Anacol up. Drip. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 so I guess this is interesting to me. So I guess I'll start here. We had... uh Chris Landry on last week and, you know, back in the day, Chris ran the scouting combine and I've talked to a lot of personnel people over the years and they all say the same thing. There's never, ever 32 first round grades uh, when when you look at the board. So I I want to ask Rick Saratel and this is very important for us locally because Philadelphia, the Eagles start this process with 15, 16, and 19. So how many legit first-round grades do you think there are? Because it usually falls off right about there, that 15 to 20 range. Yeah, I think on average you
9: usually see about 15 to 18 uh, first-round picks that would translate to any year. This year, I just did a big board the other day. I slotted Kenny Pickett at 10. He's a second-round grade in my book, so I guess
3: I would have nine First round whoa. grades. Yeah, that's not that's not good. That's yeah, not at that doesn't yet. work well when the Eagles <laughs> have picks in the teams.
2: And I, I guess I understand where you guys are coming from, but there are 32 picks in the first round. So the first 32 guys you put on your big board are first round draft grades. Mm. Now you might say in 2022 compared to 2017. Well, it's just not the same. Okay, you can make that comparison, but aren't there 32 first round draft picks every year? Isn't that kind of the way it works?
9: Yeah, I I hear you. I mean, I think there has to be, right? But if if Kenny Pickett was in the draft last year, what is he, the sixth
3: QB7? Yeah, that's – (laughs) yeah. Is it that bad? Wow. Well, I mean,
9: would you take him ahead of Mac Jones, who was the fifth quarterback, Uh, right? So he would have probably been the the sixth quarterback, right?
3: Yeah, Yeah. it's a good point. Justin Fields,
9: I think, went even (laughs) later. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if I'm the Eagles, to me, and I'm not a huge fan of Jalen Hurts, I understand the the capability there, and I think you ride it out another year. Just because, why invest a first round pick unless you're convinced? And a lot of people uh, will tell you that Kenny Pickett is pretty convincing behind closed doors when you get him on the whiteboard and the personality and everything else, all the intangibles. But to me, it's like, hey, ride it out because mm, why trade up? Why why risk? all those draft picks for a quarterback. If you don't really believe he's an upgrade over
3: Jalen. Well, let let me, let me come at it this way then, Rick, because there's, it's not a normal year for an NFL team when you start with three first round picks. So, you know, maybe there's a little bit of a, I I called it a sense of urgency. So, you know, you have a 23 year old evolving player. Uh, If Kenny Pickett's, number number one on your board at 19 you're forced to take all these three first round picks why not have two darts at the dartboard at the game's most important position and say all right maybe you know there's only 20 or 30 percent chance this guy becomes a star but now we have two maybe 20 or 30 percent chances if that makes sense
9: yeah, well, I will say two things there. I think one, you know, Howie is a hustler. He'll be wheeling and dealing come draft day, and he'll he'll find a a, a partner to dance with 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 making a deal. I I do believe that, and I, he does like to pull the trigger before we get to the draft too. So I think you might see that. Now, with that being said, I like the fact that he subscribes to the Bill Walsh philosophy. If you look at the track history of Howie Roseman, he takes a quarterback almost every draft. Now, it might yeah. not necessarily be a first round guy. But I like the fact that, hey, you've got Montana, then you got Young, then you got Bono, then you got Gerback. I mean, they were just a quarterback manufacturer. And say what you want, Sam Bradford, you know, he fooled mm-hmm. a lot of folks. But then they had Carson Wentz. Then they had Jalen Hurts in the pocket. They drafted Clayton Thorson one year. They took Nate Sudfeld. So, to me, if you see a guy like Carson Strong slide to day two, I don't think it hurts to have a kid like that in there competing – And, you know, having a contingency plan such as that. So I do think they'll take a quarterback. It's hard to justify in the first round, but why not build off of all this momentum? They exceeded expectations. No one had them pegged for the playoffs. Uh, Sirianni was the first rookie coach to take his team to the playoffs, I believe. So to me, there's a lot to build on, ride it to the wheels fall off. And if Hertz doesn't get the job done, I think you reassess
3: it next season. I'm yeah. just thrilled with the Steve Bono reference, by the way. I, I got excited by the and, Steve Bono. Oh,
2: by the way, quarterback factory or not, I don't think you get credit for Clayton Thorson being a high USFL <laughs> draft pick. <laughs> yeah. Not sure how fucking the... that one up as a win. Come I on, Jody. The that's
3: Atlanta. the fifth overall pick of the USFL uh, draft, yeah. Clayton okay. Thorson. And by that's the way, Kyle Lawletta, number seven, the Eagles quarterback factory. At 25%. How long was Kyle Orletta here? They're he getting here. credit for Kyle Orletta, too? They yeah. didn't draft
2: him. Stop it, McMullen. <laughs> anyway, uh, we are talking wide receiver before you came in, Rick, and John said, if they can't maneuver, they can't trade out of the first round, they don't want to take all three first picks, but if they don't have a dance partner to trade with, they may have to take all three of those picks. And then said, John said, then I guess there's a possibility they could take a wide receiver. How good is this wide receiver class? Is it one that at uh, the pick 19 or somewhere thereabouts, they could get a guy who can step right in and play and certainly be better than Jalen Rager? If we're talking about not making a wide receiver pick on the first round, second, third, day three, give me a general overall read on the wide receiver class in this year's draft.
9: Well, I think wide receiver is one of the positions of great depth in this year's draft. I wouldn't say it's necessarily top heavy. You might see two or three, you know, wide receiver ones. I think you'll see a a handful come off in the first round, but I do think this is a position if you do wait because of the jumbo draft class last year for comparison, we had 725 players draft eligible on our board. This year we're over 1300 and wide receiver there's like over 200 players listed on the board. That's how deep it is. But in terms of studs, you know, right around 15, you might get, and for me, if I'm an Eagles fan, I want to see one of these big bodied wide receivers, like a Drake London from USC, a Traylon Burks from Arkansas. Uh, you know, Burks is a big bodied possession wide out. They kind of moved him around as a chess piece at Arkansas and, and, and used them that way so I think he would be an, uh, an excellent fit. Drake London, I think, is probably the most dynamic wide receiver. He missed the last four games due to injury, so uh, does the first wide receiver on the board kind of slide? It's a possibility. I think the other Ohio State receivers are in the mix there, Chris Olave, uh, Garrett Wilson, and then you want to throw, uh, I got my board here, Jamison Williams from Alabama in the mix. Now, he he would be maybe a top 10 pick, but he tore his ACL in that national championship. Uh, not the same kind of injury as 10 years ago. These guys bounce back from that kind of injury in no time. So those, those are your top round guys. Now, I, I went to the scouting trails. I've, I've been to three or four All-Star games. Uh, Velas Jones from Tennessee. I mean, all he did at the Senior Bowl uh, was cut loose. I think he hit 22 miles per hour. On the catapult tracking system, which a lot of evaluators now are putting a lot of stock into the peak speed that a player can reach in game as opposed to the 40 yard dash. Velas Jones is a guy I don't think he's getting a lot of media hype today, but next week after the combine, he sure will be Uh, Khalil Shakir from Boise State, another slot wide out uh, that's pretty dynamic in his own right. Uh, so there's a lot of depth in this year's class. There's a kid out of, of Western Kentucky, Jarrett Stearns. Remember that name? Five foot seven, led the nation in wide receiving. Combined snub, unguardable all week long at the East-West Shrine Bowl. This kid, he might not get drafted. He's gonna hang around for a while at the next level.
3: Hey, Rick, one one position I guarantee the Eagles are gonna come out of with somebody on April 28th is edge rusher. Uh, And there's uh, one guy, because everyone is, is, this has become a copycat league. Everybody wants to be the Rams now. Everybody, you constantly hear everybody want to play multiple fronts, uh, be able to give the 4-3 looks, the 3-4 looks. Tell me about Trayvon Walker from Georgia, because that's the kid that he, he looks like an edge, plays inside, you can move them all over the place. That to me seems like a perfect bit of what Jonathan Gannon would like.
9: Yeah. To that point. Right. I mean, we used to call these guys tweeners and it was a bad thing. Now you're a hybrid guy and you can be moved all around. And I think you're seeing a lot of that at the NFL. Trayvon Walker is a guy to your point. He could play inside. He can play outside Uh quick first step, nice hands, heavy hands. Uh, could even stand up. So you know, to me, with Walker, he did benefit though having a lot of talent around him, right? And, and that defense, like the the opposing offensive line, they had to pick and choose their poison there, and so he did benefit from a lot of one on one matchups. And so, do I think he's as polished as some of the other uh, pass rushers that can get after the quarterback? I, I I don't know if I have him in the top half of the first round. I do think he slides into the back end of the first round. And to me, you know, we talked about last year, I think five quarterbacks in the first round. If last year was the year of the quarterback, this year is the year of the edge rusher. I mean, I think there is going to be at least uh, half a dozen edge rushers. I could see five defensive ends. Uh, There there is a very talented edge rusher group here, and and there's a a lot
2: of variety, too. All right, two-point question. Number one, if we're talking about edge guys, I think Hutchinson and Thibodeau were unquestionably gone long before the Eagles draft. Those would be the top two guys, at least in my uh, grouping. Um, if you put these guys in the next group uh, is from Purdue, Walker, as you just mentioned, Ajabo, Michigan, and Jermaine Johnson of Florida State, how would you rank those three guys?
9: I think Johnson has the highest floor. I think he can really contribute immediately. I think a has the highest ceiling because he's just so raw. He came over from uh, Nigeria in the eighth grade. He grew up playing basketball and soccer. The game is just really his best football is ahead of him. And you take a look at the measurements, the arm length. Uh, he will test. Well, I think, you know, if you're betting on the rawness, like the kid from uh, out of Penn state that Baltimore took that had zero sack well, Baltimore turned him into a player. I think that's what you're getting with the But I got to say, To me, Karlaftis, I mean, he's a man-child. I think he doesn't get enough credit for just how gargantuous he is. He understands technique. He understands leverage. He even knows how to contain. And I remember going into Penn State, as a matter of fact, his freshman year. uh, I had no idea who George Karlaftis is. I was scouting somebody on the Penn State offensive side. And Carlaftis just kept coming into my binoculars. Who's this guy blowing up the backfield? And that was his freshman season. So he came in, made it an immediate impact. I think that his upside isn't as great as a Hutchinson or Kayvon, but I do think that he's a solid uh, plug-and-play guy that, you know, at the end of the season, he's going to be a consistent seven, eight, nine sack type of guy.
3: Uh, Rick Corner would be the other slot that everybody is focused on for the Eagles. Uh, interesting kid that I like that seems to be uh, peaking uh, at the right time. I know Daniel Jeremiah had him up uh, higher in the draft than a lot of people had, but that's Trent McDuffie from Washington. Um uh, is that the range you see him in, that 15, 16, 19, 15 to 20 range? Uh, a, a kid like that?
9: Yeah, you know, he's somebody too playing on the West Coast that I was kind of late to come around on. And, and DJ's out there in Cali now, so he's all over the Washington kids. But yeah, they have a pair of corners. McDuffie uh, kind of being the the speedier guy. He's going to be one of these guys at the combine who probably runs sub 4 4. So he's got speed, he's got quicks, he can cover. And so I like what he brings to the table. I I think that after you get past those first two guys, which is Stingley out of LSU and Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati, I think they can go either way. I like Stingley for my money. I think it's a really wide open. Kair Elam from Florida, I think is also in the equation there in the first round, but I think McDuffie is right there in the middle to uh, late round. And he's a little bit shorter than some of these other guys, but he can definitely compensate.
2: All right, uh, this was the second half of the question I was going to ask you earlier that I forgot to ask. Uh, John brought up uh, the defensive lineman from Georgia. Who's the best defensive player on the best defense in college football last year? Projecting going forward to the NFL, not necessarily fitting in on the team that he's drafted. You hope that's the case, but just pure talent evaluation. Who's going to be the best player off that Georgia defense uh, starting next year in the NFL? I,
9: I like Jordan Davis, the defensive tackle for my money. Uh, he's a really big, explosive man. It's, it's hard to believe that he can move that agile uh, for weighing 350 pounds. Now, will he go as high as I would take him? He might not because at one point he, he was up to like 390, borderline 400 pounds. And again, when you're investing a first-round pick, you know you might have a weight stipulation but you really want to sit down and find out like hey is this something you know is this something that coach had to worry about is this something we're gonna have to worry about moving forward but when you talk about pound for pound and there's a lot of pounds there uh jordan davis i mean he's quick he's fast he's explosive he's a monster he gobbles double teams triple teams and really, he, he, when, when we talked about Walker benefiting from some of those other linemen there for the Bulldogs, I mean, I think Davis uh, was a big factor in terms of taking on bodies and allowing other guys to run through those lanes and make plays. All right, so
2: John likes Walker. You like Davis. I'll take N'Kobe Dean. I think he's going to be the best defensive player. Now, we know the Eagles don't take uh, linebackers in the first round. It's only been 30-something. They just don't do it.
3: 1979, Jerry Robinson, he's got got champagne on ice. He's got the Jerry,
2: Here's a question. Will Jerry Robinson uh, crack a bottle of champagne when the Eagles pass on the first round (laughs) linebacker again? He's our local version
3: of the 72 Dolphins. Yeah, Jerry Robinson. We shall see.
2: Any chance the Eagles take a linebacker in the first round? And is N'Kobe Dean the best linebacker in this draft, John? Uh, Rick.
9: You know, I don't know if the Eagles go linebacker, but I will say N'Kobe Dean and, and Devin Lloyd from Utah are probably my top two guys. Uh, you could flip a coin. They're both great. Uh, they both cover a lot of ground laterally. They both uh, stick their nose in there and, and fill the hole in a hurry. So uh, N'Kobe Dean cleaned up. A, a lot of that mess there at Georgia for the stuff that did get into the second level. So I do see him uh, probably in the f- top 15 to 20, you know, with Lloyd, there's, there's kind of a, a difference of opinion. If he's a, a a Mike or, or a will, I think you can maybe, you know, move him around and, and, and play in a, in a multiple hybrid scheme. I think
3: Dean is definitely uh, your man in the middle. Can we get a difference of opinion that turns them into Micah Parsons? Rick? Right. <laughs> right
9: i mean yeah. hey that what micah parsons did and you know 1979 i thought the giants were bad at taking linebackers that's a that's an incredible amount of time but micah parsons to the the cowboys scheme and credit they took a guy that was a chess piece like we talked about these hybrid schemes how many guys said hey micah parsons was the top edge rusher coming out of the draft yeah. last year but he was wasn't he
3: yeah Yeah, he was. And everybody looked at the length and said he was, you know, I I thought he looked like more of a, I'm going to pat myself on the back. I thought he looked like more of an edge rusher than a natural linebacker. And, but I was concerned because he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have the size to be a typical edge rusher. And all of a sudden he's like, he can do whatever. He can do whatever you ask him to do. Now the one guy I look at, but he's way too high. And, and my favorite player in this draft is the kid from Notre Dame. I think he's going to be a superstar. I think he – he Kyle Hamilton, I think he – obviously he's going to play safety, but he he can move him up. And we talk about hybrids all the time. He can play basically anywhere from linebacker to back to safety. How high is Kyle Hamilton going to go? Because people don't like taking safeties that high in the draft. But I think he's more than a safety. No, I agree with you,
9: John. And uh, for for my money, it's Thibodeau one, it's Kyle Hamilton two. If you're just talking about pure talent, uh, this guy can do it all. He he can play every position in the secondary. He could slide down in the box. Uh, He could be a true center fielder. He's got great instincts, great wrap-up ability in the open field. There's not much he can't do. Uh, He can cover. He can tackle. He can be moved around. Uh, To me, at the end of the day, you know, Jacksonville is there at number one. I think that protecting their their asset there at quarterback is going to be the priority. And I do think if they were to stay pat, it would be a tackle. But you really wouldn't get any beef here if it was Kyle Hamilton. I mean, he is that good, that talented. I'm trying to think of the last safety that was that good uh, coming out of college. and, And he's right up up there with the best of them.
2: All right, uh, you told us earlier, the wide receiver group this year, comp into last year, you had three wide receivers taken in the top 10 picks. You don't necessarily believe or believe that it should be that kind of a group this year. But you said the depth was there and you might be able to get a wide receiver, or a pretty talented one in a later round at a better value than in the first round. How about the uh, cornerback position? Because the Eagles are going to take a corner, guaranteed, whether it's with one of their first three first-round picks or later in. How does this top-of-the-draft cornerback and depth of the cornerback position play in this year's selections?
9: You know, it, it's funny because we mentioned some of the slot corners. There's really, I think, only seven, or eight, or maybe nine slot corners with a draftable grade. It was kind of hard finding those guys because you look at the board, and, and I remember – when six foot, six foot one, 200 pound corners that run four, four were, were rare birds. <laughs> now they're a common thing. I mean, they're the length on these guys are just unbelievable. So um, I do think that if you're looking for an outside corner, I think the depth is greater there. The slot corners are a little bit thin. I think uh, you'll see them come off the board in a flurry in the middle rounds. If you're looking for a slot guy. Uh, but yeah, I think overall it, it's, it's adequate depth it's not as great as the wide receiver. If I was to rank the positional depth on defense, I would say, you know, edge rushers, obviously one, Uh, you know, safeties, there's a handful of good ones. Lewis sign is another potential first round guy out of uh, Georgia uh, Daxton from Michigan. So I think safety is probably two corner is probably three. Uh, so I, th- I think there's adequate depth there you know just trying to
3: run through the board off the top of the head here yeah all right rick last one from me and rick saratella nfl draft bible to start rick's season it's probably unfair because we're way too early in the process but what the heck we're just having fun i want to pin you down everybody loves the quarterbacks how many quarterbacks are going to go in the first round? We're basically talking about Pickett, uh, Matt Corral, Sam Howell, Malik Willis, mm-hmm. Desmond Ritter. You mentioned Carson Strong. Those are the, I guess, the top six quarterbacks. How how many of those go? And you got 30 second pick, you know, everybody, Hey, 50 year option for a quarterback. If he hits, how many well, of those I, guys get pushed up? I, I do think at the end of the day, it's a quarterback league. You look at, all the
9: teams in the playoffs, the common denominator for most of them is they had a good quarterback. Uh, so I, I think you look around the league, all the teams that need a quarterback, all the quarterbacks that have retired, I still think it only takes one, and I still think that there's going to be an, a, an owner, a GM, a coach that <laughs> pounds the table, trades up for the number one overall selection. Someone's going to justify it and make sense of it. I'm still a believer of that. So I do think number one, I, I do think will be Kenny Pickett. Uh, Malik Willis when you're talking about just traits the film there's some there's some issues there with the accuracy but when you're just talking about the modern day traits of what an NFL quarterback should be Malik Willis has that and I think you know because of that he goes inside the top 10 and then you know I think Desmond Ritter is kind of the dark horse first round guy that doesn't get the hype. Uh, he's he's gonna jump through the gymnasium, by the way, out there at the Lucas Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, so when you have a quarterback that can throw that way and, and then runs a four four forty, I think that's gonna be alluring and sexy to a weak quarterback class. So I think Ritter sneaks in there. You know, Strong has a lot of medical stuff with the vertebrae and collarbone, so I I, I don't see him as a round one guy. Howell, I think he's right up there. I just I struggle uh, with justifying a first round pick on how. So I guess my answer is three guys.
2: Three. Oh, and you're under evaluating Matt Corral, but you and I have discussed this all year long. I'm a bigger Corral fan than you are. We'll see what their NFL careers turn into. He's out. right
9: on the fence. He could go right, mm. right on the fence there. Yep. And
2: uh, I'm not talking about where he's select. I'm talking about projecting what I think he's going to do when he gets to the league, but we got to wait years for that to happen. All right, Ricky, uh, we I also have to ask you about interior offensive line, because Eagles always seem to come back to the offensive line. It's one of their key tenants and philosophies in building through the draft, and they've been pretty damn good at it, so why would they give up on it? Um, I think they're good at the tackle positions. I'd be surprised if they go first round with a uh, tackle. So it's going to be someone inside. Uh, everyone has the Tyler Linder, Linderbaum as the number one interior offensive lineman as a center, which is saying a lot, mm-hmm. any others that if the Eagles, if Linda Baum is has gone and they say, we got to take a, a, an offensive, is there any other interior offensive lineman who deserves to be taken in the first 20 picks of this draft?
9: Absolutely. I I'm looking at Zion Johnson from Boston college, someone the coaching staff about two years ago, uh, put on my radar and said, this guy, we can't kick him out of the film room. He trains and works like a pro He's played, I think, all five positions there at at, uh, Boston College. But when you talk about size, bend, flexibility, uh, he can pull. He can get into the second level. He can even step in, I think, and and play tackle in a pinch if you need him to at the next level. So Zion Johnson from Boston College would be my guy. I think you can definitely justify a first-round pick in this year's draft based on his body of work at the Senior Bowl alone. Okay. Uh, he was one of the most dominant players, I, I, I thought, down there. Um, so I'll give you a sleeper, too. This, this kid I saw out at the East-West Shrine Bowl from Illinois, Vidarian Lowe, and I think they had him playing right tackle out there. He might have to kick inside at the next level, but this guy's demeanor, his toughness, his nastiness, uh, a lot of people like Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa maybe to possibly kick inside. Uh, I I would say Vidarian Lowe is in that same category. Like, hey, you might try him outside. If it doesn't
2: work out, uh, you might have a starter for the next decade at the interior. All right. One last thing. And uh, I know you understand the combine well. There have been changes to the combine just this week that they've taken the bubble off. So the kids are going to be able to have their uh, instructors and uh, workout guys (laughs) and nutritionalists. Uh, the NFL tried to do it via lockdown. They didn't get away with it, or the combine didn't get away with it. Um, give me something that happens at the combine, be it a drill or something that the NFL can get out of these players as far as information goes that's changed, That that's garnering more attention than it did two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago. That's something that they try and unearth at the combine that just in general, NFL teams are putting more emphasis on going forward and evaluating these kids.
9: I think it's analytics and I think it's trickling more and more into the combine coverage. And it's hard for me to gauge because a lot of times uh, at the combine, we're just in a media room watching the combine with no audio, but I see, I see, I do see them flash to the next gen stats a lot of time. And and we alluded to that earlier, how teams are placing greater emphasis on miles per hour instead of 40 yard dash times. I do think especially, and I hate to say it this way with the younger influx of general managers and coaches. I mean, you know, some of these guys look like uh, they just graduated college. <laughs> uh, they believe in this stuff and there's new, there's new stats, change of direction, quickness and makeup recovery time for corners for example, it is a new thing. And so I think that you might not be hearing about that or seeing about it on the front lines, but behind the scenes, this information, courtesy of Amazon, by the way, this is made available to general managers and executives and not to the uh, NFL Players Association agents. And so this is another thing when the contract negotiations come up, the NFL has this data to use against you, so to speak. The agents don't have that data to counter or highlight some of the positive
2: data. So it, it's pretty interesting. Well, Then I got to ask a follow-up question. So all the players are wired at the combine? How did they come up with the numbers? How does Amazon track this to give to the teams to use an evaluation?
9: There's so much uh, technology out there now, Jody. It's a combination. So they have, they do have these wearables, such as catapult that you'll hear that you'll hear, and and pe- the players don't even realize it's so light, they don't even realize it's on their body. There's also these chips in every yeah. single ball that they use at the combine. So now you're getting the the spin velocity, like a baseball. You're getting that for the for the football. How fast are the spirals? you know, spin on, on the velocity of his yeah. throws. We've seen the miles per hour stats now come out with the NFL. So the chips in the ball. And then also now there's monitor technology where you can, you can literally get the miles per hour of a speed as they're going down the combine. You could just pull it off your screen. Now uh, that's how much the
3: technology has enhanced. Yeah. And let me just say, Rick, I hope the NFL is better at utilizing it than major league baseball. Uh, Cause you know, They've they've done some bad things with that particular. Can we bring sport.
9: back the glow puck though? I like that. Yeah, the glow
3: puck. <laughs> I like the glow puck too because I couldn't see where the yeah, real your damn technology.
2: Puck was our technology right. doesn't always match up with what the leagues are using. Uh, but Ricky, <laughs> it is always a pleasure. Whenever you join us, thank you much for doing so. We're gonna tap into tap into you plenty between now and the draft. Uh, check out his podcast every day on the SI. I got a couple of SI guys working with today on the uh, Sports Illustrated website uh nfl draft podcast mr saratella thank you very much Uh, have a good time in indianapolis i appreciate
9: you absolutely
2: rick saratella nfl draft bible here with us on uh birds 365 yes uh yeah i cringe
3: but i will say you know the eagles talk about this gps stuff a lot as well Uh, And they've been, you know, kind of at the forefront of analytics and they were one of the first teams and they take pride in that kind of stuff. But, you know, then again, I would, you know, because I think it's more important and Rick brought up 40 speed versus, you know, essentially field speed in the miles per hour. Would have been nice to know that Jalen Rager's 40 speed didn't translate to the field. But why didn't the Eagles know that? I, I, I don't know.
2: I don't know. Has, hasn't worked out. We touched on Mr. Rager earlier. Get ready for it. There's going to be another Jalen Rager year here uh-huh. in Philadelphia. They are not <laughs> moving away from him, no matter what the analytics say, positive or negative. The contract says Jalen Rager's going nowhere fast. All right, McMullen and McDonald coming back. Uh, we've still got a, another good guest to join us. There's been a lot. We haven't touched that much here on Birds 365, but a lot of stuff has gone down in Tampa over the last couple of weeks, starting with Tom Brady's retirement. Or maybe not. Tom Brady's disenchantment with his coaching staff down there in Tampa. Or maybe not. Is Tampa going to replace Tom Brady? We are continuing to talk about Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, and could they be traded? And would be the Eagles involved? What's Tampa going to do at quarterback if Brady doesn't decide to unretire between now and September? Uh, we had Ira Kaufman on during the Bucks playoff run when the Eagles. We're eliminated by the Bucks. Good dude does a great job for JoeBucksFan.com. Uh, I thought there were some interesting stories emanating from Tampa this week. So we're going to punch up Ira Kaufman a little bit later. When we come back, I got several more things ego related. I want to run by my partner, John McMullen, here on Birds 365.
5: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub, and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want, or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
6: At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy sh! And you're telling
0: me I can get one of these glasses for free?
6: That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of stateside vodka. So good, it just Disappears.
7: Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little.
8: I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right. Just by talking with Brian in my heart,
7: I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222.
2: I'm Jody McDonald. That makes us Smack a Mac here on Birds Three Sixty Five on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Do (laughs) us a favor. Our algorithm can use. a little pumping up like share subscribe to us right here on the jacob media youtube channel birds 365 you like us don't you well then go Uh ahead hit the button
3: nfl draft season i'm excited rick saratella season i'm glad that rick backed me up on kyle hamilton i i think that kid is the best player in the draft but he's not going number one because people just don't think safety should go number one I wouldn't, I, I, he's the best pure football player in the draft.
2: I, uh, Ricky's my guy and I've been punching him up as a guest for over a decade now. So uh, I take his information and insights and scouting ability very uh, highly. I just think he's good at it, and that's one of the reasons why I punch him up all the time. Um, But I check out a lot of mock drafts, and I have a couple other guys that I punch up. We'll probably get them here on Birds 365. I use them on my uh, radio shows as well, uh, just for a different point of view. I've seen a couple mock drafts that have Kyle Hamilton falling down to a range where the Eagles can actually draft him. Not have to move up to draft them. and I'm going, are you kidding me? There is no way this kid gets out of the top 10. I don't think he's going to get out of the top five. You just said you think he's the uh, best football player in the draft. I don't know if I'm ready to go that high, but he's one of the best football players in this draft. And there's no way he's going to get out of the top 10. There's no way he gets down to the Eagles.
3: I mean, that's all related to the position. And certain positions, uh, people, you'll hear it all the time. And there's that group think that, well, he shouldn't go in the top five. He, he shouldn't go here. There's certain, and and a, a lot of that, you know, there's truth to uh, for certain positions and the value. And look, obviously quarterback has more value than every other position. And then comes edge rusher. And then you start to have the argument, what's next? And said left tackles it? offensive tackles, a corner, whatever, you can have arguments, but safety's. Farther down that list and rightfully so. But just then, yes, Rick, who he was trying to come up, who's the best safety to come out of the draft since this, he couldn't come up with a name. I mean,
2: Uh, I probably, I I
3: can't, can't, I I can't think of, you know, I start thinking about top 10, Earl Thomas, who's a hall of fame safety. Uh,
2: I'll give you one. And he's kind of tough to wrap your head around because he's different. He was different when he was drafted and he's still different today. It's Jamal Adams. I thought he yeah was Jamal no. was
3: uh, a high yeah and uh, but you know Jamal is a tremendous box safety and great play big physical player. You're a Jets right. guy, you know he doesn't cover that well. This kid can cover. He he's he's playing slot corner. He's six four. He's too, he can play linebacker. He's the Micah Parsons of the defensive backfield. That's how I describe him. You and
2: I are both big Hamilton fans, and I'd love to see him in Eagle Green. I think there are two chances, Slim and none. Oops, Slim just left down uh, <laughs> because the Eagles are not going to combine two first-round picks to move up to take a safety, as you stated. And we can judge the Eagles by what they've done and the amount of money and resources they put into safety. They're one of those teams that think that safety is down on the list, positional but priority. But here's
3: where I'm interested in this draft, Jody, for this reason. We have a different coaching staff now. Now, how he pays that lip service to you got to be an extension of the coaching staff. This coaching staff has a different mentality than the old coaching staff, really. You know, for years and years and years and years, and it's more. You know, Rick just talked about it. Young coaches, young GMs. You know, now we have Nick Sirianni, Jonathan Gannon. They're both. You know, Nick just turned forty. He just turned forty. You know, they look like they're in high school, blah, blah, blah. They think about things differently. Like I know for a fact that Gannon wants a buried front, a multiple front. That's why I'm focused in on the Georgia kid. Um, that's different than what Jim Schwartz wanted or anybody else Andy Reid had over the years. Um in the in in the backfield, they want to do the pre snap disguise the stuff, though with the Harrison Smith like stuff and Um, they don't have that player. Well, they can get that player. So, you know, if they're listening to their coaching staff, maybe the philosophy finally changes. Maybe I, now, if you're asking me, is it going to change? I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't think so, but maybe you at least got to leave the door open. Uh, the Eagles had a
2: successful year. You and I had them at eight, and nine. They went nine and seven. Yeah, I know nine and eight. The last game doesn't count playing the JV against the Cowboys. I, I, I'm not pitting a lot on them for that one. So in my eyes, they went nine and seven, which is pretty good. Better than I thought they were going to be. And I think the coaching staff has to be regarded as having a successful season. Bottom line is it's a second year coaching staff. And if you think they're going to uh, be able to sway Howie Roseman on draft day, I think you're kidding yourself. Uh, And the overall philosophy of the Eagles, oh, they they talk the talk about uh, listening to the coaching staff. Funny how we didn't hear that Jalen Rager was a coaching staff pick until after a year and he came in and did uh, pretty much diddly squad as a highly drafted first round draft pick. Didn't he hear that? Do you remember hearing that on draft day that that was a, uh, a a pick that everyone came together on yeah. and how he listened to the coaching staff on how he's going to fit with what they want to do? I, I kind of I I don't remember that. Did I miss out on that job?
3: No, it's funny no. how you know. And 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 by the way, it's interesting because. Too much jail and Rager bashing. But why not? It's been no, that day they, on they, the show. That would be um, an
2: impossibility.
3: Uh It's interesting when you're still on the team and people are trying to distance your, themselves from you. Uh That's not a good sign. That's what certainly the, the personnel staff tried to do with the old coaching staff and, and vice versa. You know, it's tough to know who's telling the truth because it is a, a collaborative process. But I do know that uh, this this organization was, you know, pretty much, with, with the exception of Chip Kelly in that little bubble, uh, it's pretty much been the same, you know, high brain since Andy Reid got here, so to speak, uh, pretty long time. This group's a little bit different, so... I guess I got to leave open the door and I'm talking about the coaching staff. I got to leave open the door a little bit to, to see if Howie Roseman and Andy Weidel uh, listen to what this coaching staff wants. I'd lean towards your direction and ultimately they're going to say, we'll get the players. You coach the players. That's how I think it's going to be. But you have to at least consider that, it is evolving, the NFL as a whole. Rick just talked about it a little bit. Things are changing. Uh, people are looking at things a different way. They certainly played a lot more multiple fronts than they ever did before last year. So that indicates to me that this coaching step's going to go about things in at least a little bit of a different way. So I will say if the Eagles want to succeed, they better take into account what the coaches want and what the coaches need.
2: In a perfect case scenario, the coaching staff is always uh, allowed to voice their opinion and should be listened to, should be heard, should be reacted to. I don't know that we have that here in Philadelphia right now. Um, all right, we went in almost an hour and 10 minutes without talking about the quarterback position, which I'm quite <laughs> proud of myself because... Uh, well, we talked something... about it
3: draft-wise.
2: Uh, right, I'm talking about the present-day Jalen Hurts and or if the Eagles are going <laughs> to go in another direction other than the draft. Um, and Russell Wilson's name comes up all the time. And we try not to beat it to death here on Birds 365. You can't not talk about it. You just shouldn't talk about it in exclusion of everything else. Um, So I did want to bring this up at uh, Russell Wilson today. Colin Coward, one of the more uh, recognizable national broadcasting names, uh, opinion creator for Fox, um, talked about Russell Wilson recently on one of his shows. And should he be dealt? Will he be dealt? He's actually got a relationship with Russell Wilson, maybe even gets inside information. And he suggested the Philadelphia Eagles should move heaven and earth to get their hands on Russell Wilson. Well, what does move heaven and earth mean? to the extent of all three of their first-round draft <laughs> picks this year and next year's first-round draft pick. And if you had to throw a player like Darius Slay in to get the deal done, he would go that far if he were the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, that's uh, that, that's one of the things I don't like about it. and And I shouldn't say this because I haven't talked to Coward, but I'm assuming he's dipping into hyperbole. Uh, to make a point, that that's just r- ridiculous and ludicrous. But I actually appreciated it when he said it for a specific reason. Uh, doing show WIP, nights, uh bring up Russell Wilson. Uh, what would you give up there? People are so underestimating how much Russell Wilson is going to talk. J-Mac, I don't know how many times I, well, I give him one of my first three uh, first-round picks this year. And maybe, Nick, what are you talking about? one of three, maybe year. I'd rather go one and a two year. You have no chance. Hmm. It's going to be three first round picks. Now, Coward went to four and your best defensive secondary player, which is ludicrous on the other end. But some people think that you're going to be able to steal Russell Wilson, which is not going to happen. They're going to get three first round picks. And the one other thing, John, I want to get your (laughs) take on this, that I think is being underreported. Russell Wilson is going to need to have his contract redone. First and foremost, he's got an okay coming to Philadelphia because he's got a no trade clause in his contract. Uh, we don't know that he's going to be able to do that, but for the purpose of this conversation, let's assume he does. He says, hey, you know, Philly's pretty good. They're better than they were last year. Maybe there's Syria, but let me have uh, coffee with Nick Sirianni, see what he has to say. Okay, yeah, I'll take a trade to Philadelphia. Part of what's going to need to come down is he's going to have to have his contract redone because he is blatantly underpaid this upcoming year. He's only counting $24 million against the cap for Seattle. They've got, uh, he's only making 24 million counts more than that. Cause he's got the uh, money pushed forward. Um, but if he were to be traded to the Eagles, he would count $24 million against the cap this year. And he's under contract for next year at 27 million the top quarterbacks are all 30 plus 35 plus sneaking up on $40 million. And Russell Wilson's going to be 24 or 27. And you're giving up three first round picks to get him. His agent can very easily. Well, wait a minute. You're giving up a, a ton to get this guy. And you want to underpay him? No, we did our contract with Seattle. That was with Seattle. Now we okayed the deal for him to come to Philadelphia. So you can have your franchise quarterback. How far do you think the Eagles are gonna to have to go to redo his deal? Because 24 million is a little bit more than the 1.8 that Jalen Hurts is gonna to have to make. So you've got to somehow <clears> fit $22 million added into your cap. Oh, and then it's not stopping there. It's going forward. Now it's a new deal, so you can move money around. And they can continue to push it off into the future. Yeah. How big is gonna gonna be big salary wise? Well, I'm.
3: I mean, yeah, I mean that's obviously the complicating factor with all these veteran quarterbacks. They're all um, get paid a heck of a lot more than than Jalen Hurts, and that's you know sort of the um, argument that people use. Well, you build up your roster on 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 Jalen Hurts, who's cost effective. Um, Uh, for at least a little more time and and then you have to start talking about extending him and all of a sudden then the valuation goes in the other direction so it's more than the immediacy of 1.6 million because guess what the clock's running out pretty quick on that so if you can get a quarterback a hall of fame level quarterback and let's face it we're just talking about tom brady we'll talk about him with ira in a little bit but you know, he was able to play till 44 and who knows, maybe he's going to play until 45 with the 49ers, but but we'll see how all that shakes out. Now that's the outliner. The point is Russell Wilson isn't old by modern NFL standards. He's got a number of years uh, left to play at a high level in this league, certainly at least five years. That's the window you're talking about because you're going to, extend them. You're going to put those voidable years on the back end of the contract. You probably work out a three-year deal. You give them a raise. You got the two voidable years. This is what Howie Roseman, Jake Rosenberg do that well. There's no doubt in the short term, yeah, it's a big spike on the cap at the quarterback position. But long term, over, over how how much you think Russell Wilson, how long you think Russell Wilson's going to be here, the spike isn't nearly as big as you think it is because then you start talking about, all right, let's say Jalen Hurts has another year. um, Like he had this year, Jody. So the Eagles make the playoffs. They're a little bit over 500. They're one and done again. He's a pro bowl alternate. He's got more explosive plays than anybody else in the NFL. You think he's going to be cheap on the extension? And then you start talking about the Jimmy Garoppolo's of the world, and the Derek Carr's of the world, and the Kirk Cousins of the world. Look at what they get paid. Look at what they get paid. Guess what? You're going to have to pay Jalen Hurts. So then, again, I think too many fans think about things in the in the really, really short window of right now. It's like one of the things I'll criticize Colin Coward for Yet you don't give up four first round picks for Russell Wilson because you don't have to. It's like everybody was saying with, and we'll give Daryl Morey credit uh, for getting James Harden for Ben Simmons. You Trade Ben Simmons for a bag of balls and this, and get him out of town. Why doesn't he do that? Because he doesn't have to, you know. And he got a a Hall of Fame level player in return for a guy you didn't even want to play. So we got to give him credit. You know, if you don't have to get four-round pick, you don't have to do it. But in, in the same way, I'll look at the short-term thinking of the average fan, not everybody. Well, Jalen Hurts makes $1.6 million. Russell Wilson makes uh, all this money. It's not just about this year. It's not just about this year. You're getting this guy to be your quarterback, For at least the next five years, and you don't think about more windows than that in in the modern NFL. Nobody's thinking about 10 years down the road. So you have to think about what is Russell Wilson going to be for those five years as a player versus what Jalen Hurts is going to be. And then the the cost effectiveness, Russell's going to get more, but you're going to have to pay Jalen Hurts a lot of money. If you think he's a starting quarterback, so for all those people that say build around Jalen Hurts, build around Jalen Hurts, well, you can do that in the short term. You can do that in 2022, but guess what? He's a starting quarterback who's the 17th best in the NFL, as NFL.com says. He's going to get paid minimum, Jody minimum. Which kind
2: of ties into your thought in hour number one. It's it's a small percentage chance, but it's not a zero. The Eagles might take a quarterback with a first-round draft pick this year. I, I did it on one of my WIP shows for conversational sake, and I really don't believe it's going to happen. But like Rick Saratella told us he's got Kenny Pickett being the first quarterback taken off the draft. Uh, he does not think Kenny Pickett – is a top 32 player. There's 32 players going to be picked in the draft. That's one for every team. That's your first round. You've got Kenny Pickett uh, ranked overall prospect at somewhere below that as a second-round player for, Which just Number positional 10, which, importance way, went right out the window. Kenny yeah. Pickett is one of the 32 best-ranked players in this draft. So maybe, just maybe, the Eagles with their first pick have the choice of any quarterback they want. Maybe Kenny Pickett's there. Maybe everyone says, yeah, you know, we can't justify taking a quarterback this high. Maybe at 19, the Eagles passed twice, and they're still the first quarterback on the draft left. If that's the case, as you're stating, we can all like Jalen Hurts. We can say, forget Russell Wilson, forget Aaron Rodgers, forget everybody else, we're married to Jalen Hurts. We're only one year away from having to decide how many... Tens of million dollars—it's going to cost to keep Jalen Hurts too. Yeah.
3: So, so a- that—that's my point. If if you're that gung ho on Jalen Hurts, well, first of all, you have to understand, as you mentioned, Jody, you're a year away from him being a thirty million dollar quarterback minimum, a year away. So if you're also obsessed with this cost-effective nonsense. Well, then you better draft a quarterback and you better roll it over again because it's ending and it's ending very, very quickly. Even if he takes a a a step back and say he's the I don't know, eighteenth or nineteenth quarterback, best quarterback, and uh doesn't make the Pro Bowl, but still has these uh large numbers, he's getting minimum twenty million a right, year, and that's much. if you're getting a bargain. And that's if he plays poorly. That's the going rate to do business at that position in the NFL. So to only think about it about 2022, it's really specious because you're going to have to pay Jalen Hurts if you think he's a good player.
2: So we have questions about who's going to be the Eagle quarterback for this upcoming year. Right now it's Jalen Hurts, or will they go in another direction? They're facing the same question down there in Tampa. They're one year removed from being a Super Bowl champion, but they were also removed, at least I right now. I see Ira.
3: Ira's excited about Blaine Gabbard. I know that. Uh, well, I know Bruce Arians is.
2: Yeah, good good, good luck with that, Bruce. Uh, Ira Kaufman, our buddy from JoeBuckFan.com, going to hop on with us next here on Birds 365.
5: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
6: At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that.
0: Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free?
6: That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of stateside vodka. So good, it just disappears.
7: Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little.
8: I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right. Just by talking with Brian in my heart, I just knew
7: everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222.
4: Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia Bank.
2: Appreciate you screaming on in on Bird Street 365 with McCall and McDonald we bring in a third opinion insight uh, always top drawer uh from JoeBuckFan.com. our buddy Ira Kopman joins us here on Birds 365 Ira we're having fun talking quarterbacks on a day in day out basis cuz some people think Jalen Hurts is the guy some people think there's no question Eagles are getting a veteran guy you didn't have to worry about that the last couple of years but you guys are in the same conversation right or or not is Tom Brady just pulling the wool over everybody's eyes? And is he going to be back there next year?
10: Gentlemen, nobody in this town wants to believe that Brady has thrown his last NFL pass. They refuse to accept it. They parse every word the guy says. They, they focus on never say never. Uh, and then 30 seconds later on the same interview, he said, I'm very comfortable with my decision to retire. They don't want to talk about that part. He's doing a movie. He's got a million business interests. Giselle's got big plans. They're going to move to South Florida. By the way, gentlemen, going to be 85 degrees today. Just oh, want you to know yeah. that. Just to it was 75 in.
2: here yesterday. It was yeah. beautiful
10: yesterday. Yeah, it was going to freeze
2: tonight, but it was beautiful yesterday.
10: And it if was... you and if you two gentlemen mention Blaine Gabbert's name, I'm going to drop this coffee cup. <laughs> <laughs> so, <right laughs> I already now. mentioned
3: it. Hey, that was Bruce Arians. Hey, Gabbert just hasn't been with a great team. That's the only problem. You um, know, uh,
10: Arians has, he's got this fixation on Blaine Gabbert. None of us None of us in the Tampa Bay media can understand. it, Um, Gentlemen, he has started 48 games as a professional. He has won 13. He has started 48. (laughs) Now, this thing about he probably hasn't played for a team this talented. Well, I'm not going to say that the 22 22 bucks aren't better than the the Jaguars that that Gabbard joined as a rookie. I'm not going to say that, but I'll say this. If if Blaine Gabbert is is your your guy, uh, and you're going from Tom Brady to Blaine Gabbert, uh, nobody's going to pay any attention to this team this fall, um, and you're going to feel it at the turnstile too.
3: Yeah, I would say if Blaine Gabbert's the guy. Kyle Trask might as be the might as well be the guy if you're going to go forward in yeah. that type of direction. But the, the Bucks still have a lot of talent. They still have a lot of uh, good players, even without Tom Brady. So ultimately the thought is that they'll go out and get somebody else there's going to be yes. quite the quarterback carousel uh this year Ira it just depends who's going to be there and all the dominoes and Tom's one of those dominoes by the way if he does come back he's playing for San Francisco he's not playing for Tampa Bay but that's my estimation um, um
10: the it, problem it, guys the problem uh with this quarterback carousel and you guys know this very well the Bucks are hardly the only team yeah. that's looking to make a mark here in the veteran quarterback market. Uh, the Steelers have to have an interest. The Panthers, who play in the same division, um, they almost made a move for Deshaun Watson last October, and they haven't given up that hope. That owner, David Tepper, he's very aggressive, and mm-hmm. he, he wants a big name. He you don't want Sam Darnold. He wants a big name. And He's not going to rest until he gets one. And there's other teams, uh, Indy, uh, that, that are looking for quarterbacks. New Orleans, I'm not sure what they're going to do with Winston. Uh, so th- there's going to be a lot of competition, gentlemen.
2: What happens if uh, with John was, and he's not the first to go down that road, uh, that Brady would actually like to play one more year, would you prefer to do it out in his old home, uh, the Bay Area on the West Coast? Would the Bucs thwart that? Would they say, no, Tom, you're under contract to us here. If you're playing in the National Football League, you're going to do so in Tampa. Would they work out a deal with San Francisco for Brady's rights? Uh, How would that play if Brady were uh, that motivated to make it happen? How does a compromise and a deal get cut out so that he could land with the 49ers? Or is this all just football pipe dream stuff?
10: Well, first of all, if it happens, and I think it's highly unlikely uh, that he comes back and then wants to go to another team, um, you know, I, I think um, that that's a, that would be an embarrassment for the Bucks organization if Brady comes back and he no longer wants to play at one Buck. Um, I don't see it, guys. I really think this is a manufactured story about okay. his his childhood team and this and that. Uh, I'll tell you why. The guy's got all the power that he could ever crave right here at one buck place. Whatever he wants, he gets. Example A, and Antonio Brown. Arians wanted no part of Antonio Brown when he was available. Said he was a bad fit. Of course, he knew him in Pittsburgh. He thought he was a diva. Wanted no part of him. Brady put his foot down. This guy can help us. Arians relented. And guess what happened? He helped them win a Super Bowl, and then he helped blow up the team uh, on the way out. Even Brady. Even Brady can't defend what Antonio Brown did at the end of that Jets game. He quit on his teammates uh, Mm. for whatever reason. So I think he's got it very good here in Tampa. I don't think he's coming back, period. Um, And I think you make an interesting point. Why would you help the 49ers when that's a team that you could meet in January? Yeah. I, I wouldn't do that, and it's not like you're going to get a first-round pick for the guy.
3: Now, Ira, as we get a special guest, I love, <laughs> I, love <laughs> I love. I love when that happens. I love it. Um, there was some talk, and, and, and take us into this, that Tom was a little bit unhappy, uh, you, you know, when Bruce was, I guess, rehabbing the Achilles, and he wasn't at the facility every day. There was that one story that Tom and Byron left, which would game plan, and then Bruce would come in and redline it and change things, and and that made Tom a little bit unhappy. What What is the thought process inside Tampa? Is there anything to that story?
10: Well, I'll give you my thought.
3: Uh-oh, we froze up. We got the dog, and we froze. Are you frozen, Jody? Uh
2: I'm not frozen. Do you hear me, Johnny Mac? I
3: hear you. There we go. We All right,
2: got, we got you again,
10: Ira. Go ahead. Uh, sorry. I, I I reject the story. I, I think it's nonsense. Um if you can't get along with Bruce Arians, you, you got a problem. The the is with you.
3: Well, we froze up again. I
2: don't know if this is dog related or satellite related or what, but we're hoping to get uh Bruce Arians back. The story that John's referring to. Uh, Ex-NFL player, Tom Brady teammate up in uh, Tampa, as a matter of fact, who is now a sports talk show host in San Diego, uh, was the guy who reported that Brady was having issues behind the scenes this season with Bruce Arians and or his offensive coordinator, that it wasn't all as uh, hugs and kisses as it may seem to be when you've got as good a team as the Bucs did and the success that they had. We got Ira back now. Um, so you're saying this ex Brady teammate turned talk show host out in San Diego. He's got some contacts, some good friends, Penn state fellow players on that buck staff. You think the story is pretty, pretty much made up, uh, wholly out of cloth.
10: I, I, I do. I, I just don't die. I don't buy it. I mean, uh, Arians has turned everything over to number 12 as he should, because there's only one Brady. Um, he won a damn Super Bowl two years ago, yeah. and they came, came within four points of being in the conference title game uh, on a day that they played lousy and had no business uh, even being in the game with, with the Rams. So how far away are they? I mean, yeah, they're going to lose a few free agents, but Mike Evans isn't going anywhere. He's in his prime. The guy's got 27 touchdown catches in two years with Brady. Um, they'll re-sign Chris Godwin. I believe if Brady would come back with Tampa, Gronkowski would play uh, again. So where's the problem here? The offensive line's good. Um, I'm not buying all these stories that Brady is alienated from, uh, from this organization. I just don't buy it.
3: Well, you're right. Iron. that Tom is starring uh, and producing in a movie 80 for Brady. Uh, So, and that's going to film in the spring. So more likely than not, it just is, you know, Oxum's razor as they call it The simplest explanation is Usually the right one and the Simplest explanation here is Tom Brady's retired and he's not Coming back so I'm going To go down that path And say he's not playing For Tampa he's not playing for anybody else And you're right this Is still a good football team with the Bucs There's still a lot of talent We know that's lip service with
10: Blaine Gabbard I, I believe you're right uh, this is not going to be a rebuild in, in Tampa. It's not. Uh, and look at the owners. I always look at the owners, the glazers who I, I know fairly well. they've been intoxicated by the last two seasons. And, and how could you not be? Five prime time games each of the last two years, uh, record ticket sales, merchandise through the roof. So when you've had that after 12 years of being irrelevant, you don't want to go back to the dark ages. You know, it's still a good roster. You, you're going to lose some free agents. You will. But that front office with Jason Light, he's got a couple of people in the, in the salary cap uh, department that are very savvy. Uh, look what they did last year. Nobody thought it was possible. They'd bring back every starter. They did it. That's not going to happen this year. But they'll keep the core. And the core is good enough. And, and guys, this is a big point to consider. Um, some people thought Arians would retire once Brady retired. He's not going to retire, and I'll tell you why. He looks at the NFC South. The Saints are in turmoil. They lost their coach. They don't know who the quarterback is. Kamara's in trouble. Matt Ryan's not getting any better in Atlanta. He needs help. And Carolina's got no quarterback. So I dare say, guys, would Blaine Gabbert, I can't believe I'm saying it, the Bucks would probably still be the favorites in the NFC South, uh, even if they go nine and eight and win the Darn <laughs> Division. So it is not a rebuild. And I, I don't believe the Gabbert talk and I don't believe Gabbard will have the ball in week one. I don't All believe right.
2: that. Well, then, you know, the obvious question, who is going to be the Bucks quarterback week one? If it's not Tom Brady, we're admitting we believe he's going to stay retired. You don't think that Bruce Arians really will go to war with Blaine Gabbard. Kyle Trask, or are they going to be able to land a veteran quarterback from another
10: team? And if so, who's that guy? Hard to uh, It's hard to believe I'm saying this. It's less likely that it'll be Kyle Trask than Blaine Gabbard. Gabbard is ahead of Kyle Trask, whether you want to believe it or not. I do believe that. Uh, because uh, the guy that makes the decision is Arians, and and he's more inclined towards Gabbard for whatever reason. All right, so who's it going to be? Well, to me, the only guy that's young that you can count on maybe for five or six years from an age standpoint is Watson. He's the only one, and he might not have even reached his peak yet. Guys, remember this. In 2020, Deshaun Watson was fabulous for a bad team. He was tremendous. I think he led the league in passer rating with the Houston Texans. Now, he did have Hopkins, but that's about all he had. So I don't have any questions about Deshaun Watson on the field. I have no questions about it. Would would, would Tampa fans rebel in big numbers about Deshaun Watson with his past and his problems? I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, they're also – uh, intoxicated by the last two years, and I think once they're uh, decided uh, that his criminal issues are behind him, uh, I think the Glazers would sign off and proceed on Watson, um, and I think the Texans uh, might like the idea of sending him to the NFC. Uh, now, the compensation's going to be hard to fill, guys. I don't know if the Bucks have the resources. Carolina's got the number six pick. The Bucks have the 27th pick, so... Now, and there's another factor. Watson's got a no trade. Does he want to go to the Panthers? Does he want to go to the Bucks? it's It's, uh, it's, it's uh, got a lot of layers to this thing. Yeah. I think, guys, I think when all's said and done, I, I think it could be Garoppolo because I'll tell you why. One, I think he's the only guy that we can mention that we know for a fact is not going to be back with, with his same team. He's not coming back with the 49ers. Uh, I don't think the compensation – would be exorbitant for Garoppolo. I think they would take a second round pick, one second round pick. And guys, unlike Blaine Gabbert, who's thirteen and thirty-five, Garoppolo has proven he's a winner. Yeah. For whatever reason, you can talk about the Niner defense, the running game, this and that. The guy wins games, guys. And if he's the quarterback of the Bucks, I think he's the. I think they're a the prohibitive favorite to win the division.
3: Ira, I want to ship gears to the Hall of Fame with you. All uh, right. I, I, I knew this was coming, gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I just want to give your thoughts on, on on the class, the 2022 class. Anybody surprise you that got over the hump that maybe you thought wasn't going to get there and, and surprise? I'm always surprised. I think things have shifted. Leroy Butler, to me, was a great player. Uh, but safeties for a long time. I go back to the days Paul Krause it took Paul Krause forever to get in the Hall of Fame. Yep. He just didn't put a lot of safeties in the Hall of Fame. All of a sudden that has opened a little bit and and Leroy Butler to me is very deserving but I was surprised that he got over the hump. Any any surprises from your perspective?
10: Well, you're right. There you know, there there was a big shift about 5 years ago with safeties because it was considered the most underrepresented position in Canton Um, And now, you know, Brian Dawkins, Atwater, uh, Ed Reed, of course, uh, Butler, John Lynch. Um, Speaking for myself, guys, out of those five, uh, I did not vote for Mills, and and I didn't vote for Bryant Young. Uh, I've got a little story for both of you uh, about um, a little inside the room, and you guys love these little nuggets. Um, As far as Mills is concerned, guys, and this was a big factor with some people it was his last year of eligibility as a modern day candidate if he didn't get in this year he would have gotten into that senior pool which we like to call the abyss because there's like 50 guys that are kind of deserving um and one guy comes out every year out of the 50 so you're in trouble that's guys like joe jacoby was very close to getting in the hall about five years ago and now he's in the senior pool you never hear the guy's name You don't hear it. Uh, Bob Kuchenberg's another one. He was in the room about seven years or eight years, and now he's in the senior pool, and nobody talks about Bob Kuchenberg. Great guard for the great Dolphin teams of the early 70s. So some people were swayed by that with Sam Mills. I I wasn't. I think you stick with the five best guys that you think are are on the ballot at that particular time. And, guys, here's the other one. Bryant Young. And I got to give credit to the 49er organization because they organized a Zoom call, you know, uh, uh, about a couple of weeks before the voting. And they invited the uh, panelists and the selectors on the Zoom call. And they got together five offensive linemen, including Mark Schlerett, who was kind of the leader of the band, five offensive linemen who, who played a lot against Bryant Young. And they were on a Zoom call. And some selectors were on it. They could ask questions. And for a half an hour, these guys talked about how great a player Bryant Young was. They put him in a class with Warren Sapp and John Randall. Now, I'm not going to go that far. I'm not. Uh, But, you know, the guy was a glue player for some very good 49er teams. Uh, He played the run as well as the pass rush. He had 89 sacks. I mean, that's a big number for an interior defensive lineman. And I think that Zoom call, which was a very smart ploy, um, you know, in the candidacy of Bryant Young, I think it proved uh, very decisive. And he got in. Now, guys, I'll, I'll leave you with this on the Hall of Fame. Um, when that was announced that night on the NFL Honor Show, within an hour, and I mean an hour, I made the mistake of looking at Twitter, which I shouldn't have done. <laughs> and I got to tell you, guys, Buck Nation – The full wrath of Buck Nation came down on me. (laughs) On me. Because I made the presentation for Rondé Barber. Yeah. It was the second year for Barber. Now, Lynch, it took eight years. This was only two years for Barber. He didn't get in. I think, objectively, he's one of the five best players that were on that ballot. But he didn't get in. I mean, he was a complete football player. He did everything. And Buck fans... They got it. You know, they got to blame somebody.
4: I'll
10: give you an example. I'll give you an example of one of the tweets, guys. Um, You're an old man. Ira, retire, (laughs) give it up and let somebody else make the speech. Now, now, guys, uh, I countered by saying this. You know, I've made successful presentations for five guys in the last 10 years, starting with Ed Sable. I made the speech for Ed Sable the uh, you know the founder of NFL yeah. Films. Yeah. The guy was 95 years old. He had one chance to get in, and he got in. So I don't think I have to apologize. Uh, I think Rondé yeah. Barber's got a good chance next year. But, guys, guess who's on the ballot next year as a first-time eligible? There's two big names. Joe Thomas, the great tackle from the Browns on a lot of bad Cleveland teams. I yeah. think he's going to go in. And, and Darrell... Revis, oh
3: yeah, that hurts. Uh, so
10: nobody, back. nobody says you can't put two defensive backs in the same class. I mean, just no. yeah, you, you, know, you vote for Revis doesn't mean you can't vote for Barber. But Revis is a very different argument than Barber. Short career, relatively, but I will say he's got an island named after him, and he played in New York, so uh, he's yeah. game, tough to yeah. keep.
3: Well, in this year, Richard Seymour and Bryant Young both went in, and That's they're right. both so. That's right. Both defensive and depend kind of versatile guys, but right. I'm always surprised I uh, Jared Allen because of the sack numbers in the history. I talk about the history of safeties, the history of sack numbers, and 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 maybe we can get what's the dog's name? I'd like to call the dogs by Co- the name. Cosmo. 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 Love Cosmo. it. Cosmo. Is that from Seinfeld? You that is get, from Seinfeld. Yeah. We get Cosmo, the dog true story ira i used to have a dog named cosmo for the same reason wow nice um yeah um the numbers sack numbers usually get you in is that yep. shipped in a little bit now
10: do you think well uh, a lot of people are cons- are uh, they're puzzled about jared allen you make a good point um and you can throw the marcus where in there yeah, also yeah. um but where was a first year eligible first year um So if a guy doesn't get in his first year, I mean, that's not a shocker unless the guy's name is Peyton Manning or or Barry Sanders, you know. Uh, But Jared Allen, he's not getting that much traction, and nobody really knows why. He played very well for two different franchises. Uh, The guy was a monster uh, coming off that right edge, and and he wasn't bad against the run either. So um, he's going to be formidable. Uh, I believe Jared Allen's going to get in, but he looks like one of those guys that might have to wait three or four years.
2: I right, I will not give you a hard time for not getting Rondé Barber in. I'll actually instead give you credit for getting him into the final group because between you and I, Eric Allen was a better football player than Rondé Barber, and he
3: didn't Uh-oh. even make we're it gonna to get, We're going to get Dombo versus Ira Kaufman. You we're know, um,
10: a, a I, 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 you're speaking of Eric Allen, you're going to like this, buddy. Um, I've had a lot of people over the years say, where's Eric Allen? And even some players, some some wide receivers. Where's Eric Allen? Um, he also played for the Raiders, didn't he? Um, yeah. I believe. Yes. Yes. yes, he did. Yes. Ex- excellent player. Uh, look, the knock on Rondé, and I don't think it's a fair knock, is, you know, he wasn't Deion Sanders or Revis or maybe even Allen uh, as a cover corner, but he kind of defined a position. Nobody ever talked about a slot corner until Rondé Barber kind of defined it. Uh, and if you played a slot, you better tackle. And nobody tackled better than uh, Rondé Barber as a 5'10", uh, you know, 180-pounder. Um, so, guys, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. The more you look at Rondé Barber in the various aspects of the game, the more impressed you're going to be. And even something like his durability is historic. It's absolutely historic. I'll give you an example. The only defensive player in history. They've been playing this game a hundred years. The only defensive player in history with more consecutive games as a defensive player is Jim Marshall. I mean, that's yeah. it. Rondé Barber's and, number and,
3: two. And, and by the way, why isn't Jim Marshall? He's in that
10: cross. That's he's another guy. That. That's he's another. Now, that. now nah, nah, he's in the senior pool. Yeah. It's going to be yeah. difficult. It's yeah, going to yeah. be difficult.
2: My boy Joe Klecko in the senior pool. These yeah. guys never get you. You correctly labeled it the abyss, yeah. which is <laughs> unfortunate because uh, there are some guys in there that uh i just am so put off by the fact i think joe klecko
10: uh, guys i I think joe klecko might have played three different positions and made the ball at all of them very 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 unique
3: very great great bar owner too in westchester pennsylvania all
10: right
2: i I, I want to wrap it up on this because i know you've covered the combine over the years don't know if you're going there are you going this year
10: no i got two my two of my guys are going yeah gotcha
2: um What's the best thing about the combine? All the years you covered the one thing that you knew you could get some information out of, you could draw some conclusions out of. What's the worst thing about the combine for the years that you covered it?
10: The worst thing about it is it's an Indian February. Um, uh, but, you know, they got all these... We indoor, talk so much weather Earth when and-
2: Ira comes oh on the board. We get too <laughs> caught up in the weather. McMullen uh, guilty, McDonald
10: guilty, Golf. Kaufman guilty of worrying guilty. about the weather. Uh, here's the best part. Uh, St. Elmo's Steakhouse, and I'll tell yeah. you why. Yeah. First of all, they got a great shrimp cocktail. Um, and with with this, you know, it's got this sauce on it, and if you take too much sauce, you, you, you're going you're gonna to need a gallon of water. So <laughs> one of our guys, one year, he had never been to the combine, and, you know, we took him, and we said, hey, man, you got you to gotta really heap this sauce on the shrimp, and you really got to lay it on. The, the guy almost passed out. The guy almost passed out. Um, But Here's the other part about no St. more Steakhouse, the more important part for, for our purposes. That's where people hang out, and that's where they get a little sloshed, perhaps, and uh, they let a couple of things out. You know, the general managers are there. Uh, the, the owners are there. The coaches are there. And, uh, you know, if you buy a guy a drink, guys, you never know what the hell will happen. Very nice.
2: Yeah smart yeah. stuff he knows how to play the crowd Ira we appreciate you coming on uh, board with us today you know we'll touch base with you again probably before the draft uh maybe sometime in the middle of free agency hey I'm very I'm very
10: excited about my 76ers gentlemen I'm, yeah. excited, to, how about I'm that? excited to see what happens starting Friday night I'm excited.
2: He'll be in front of the TV watching James Harden and Joel Embiid. Uh, we like to hear it, Ira. Uh, please give Cosmo a pet for us, and he is invited on the t- on the show anytime you're with us. Thanks for jumping on with us today.
10: See you soon, gentlemen.
2: JoeBuckFan.com, Ira Kaufman. I know you're not Buck fan, but when a story relates to the Bucks and or the Eagles, you should check out Ira on JoeBuckFan.com. All right, John McMullen, Jody McDonough, we still got a couple of minutes left. Coming back to put a bow on the show on Birds 365.
5: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink.
0: Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free?
6: That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first time purchase of stateside vodka. So good, it just disappears.
7: Imagine for a moment that you went to work today and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little.
8: I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian in my heart. I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and
7: find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222.
4: of life. First trust bank is there for you. Seven,
7: three. One, two, three. Because
4: Philadelphia Dreams deserve a Philadelphia Bank.
2: J Mac and J Mac here with Young Brick Street65. We appreciate you tuning in while you're at it. Hit that like button, help us with our algorithm here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Uh, John, always fun to punch up both Iron Rick Taratello, two good guys, and also with uh, and Cosmo.
3: Great... I want to talk Cosmo. Cosmo.
2: Cosmo. Yeah, what's the deal? You got you actually did have a dog named Cosmo, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. earlier. What's your dog's the, name now? Uh, Isabella,
2: Isabella, okay um we had roxy and then moxie two straight females as a matter of fact that i'm assuming isabella's a female too
8: yes cosmo isabella not...
3: I, I isabella i didn't name because i got isabella from someone else um cosmo i named myself which is why um it came from seinfeld so i figured that would be where ira got it
2: you see that's funny because our last two dogs have both been rescue dogs that had a name previous to getting him just as you just stated uh and my wife didn't necessarily like the the name so we said well we're going to try and change the dog's name and sometimes you can do that and sometimes they just refuse they they know their name and they're not going to respond you're going to call them and they're not even going to pay attention to you and that's what happened with our first dog Roxanne my wife didn't necessarily want to call the dog Roxanne but we eventually relented and said Roxanne and she would answer so she became Roxanne. Our, uh, the dog we have now, her name wasn't Moxie. But we wanted to make it Moxie because it was kind of like Roxy. And then if we called her Roxy, she'd at least understand. And she adapted. We got a smart dog now. She, she understood we were changing her name on her. So she was good with the name change. Our first dog, no chance, no shot. Uh, <laughs> we, we couldn't change her name if we wanted to. Um, and that's a cute dog that Iris got, by mm. the way. All right, J-Mac, one of the last things I wanted to talk to you before we put uh, Bo on today's show is something that Ira touched on. He brought up uh, Deshaun Watson. Uh, Mike Loyal, Pro Football Talk today, suggested there are several teams that are ready, willing, and able to jump into the Deshaun Watson bidding pool. I think
3: people would be surprised how many teams are going to jump into that pool.
2: Uh, Right now, without having Mm -hmm. to wait for... How many suits does it get settled? Is there going to be mm-hmm. a criminal prosecution? What is the NFL's stance going to be? How many games are going to get suspended? That Florio is suggesting. Now he didn't name any teams. That would have been impressive if he could attach teams. I names think he
3: to- did name Carolina is willing to do it. But uh, yeah, that's been going around for a while. I've been talking about that for a while. It's the criminal. If the criminal is cleared up, people will move. They're they're okay with the civil stuff. Um, they're not okay with the criminal stuff.
2: Uh, and Florio's going above and beyond that. He's saying now, and the criminal stuff is not cleared up. The attorney said that he thinks, and this is purely speculation on his part. I think you mentioned this yesterday. I think you had the right read on it. Uh, grand jury timing, when yeah. are grand juries changed? And maybe that's why he's targeting April 1st as a day if they haven't come down with charges against them they probably won't so april 1st is still last time i checked six weeks from now yeah and if you're willing to make a trade now yes you're willing to do so before the criminal aspect of it is actually decided so that's a pretty good uh stance and team would be taken do you think the texans would respond to that or do you think they want to wait because they're uh, and i know Deshaun watson has uh, the no trade clause in his contract, so really their participation in it is just that participation. They can't dictate anything because watching can. Um, do you think there is a chance that something happens in the next couple of weeks? Yeah, because- I,
3: I, I mean, uh, the the talk around the league was Houston wanted it done by March 16th, the start of the new league year, because his guaranteed salary is fully guaranteed at that point in March. So 35 million they're on the hook for. Um, completely and they wanted it you know they don't want to worry about it so they were hoping that the criminal stuff would be cleared up and uh things could start to move forward i still have a hard time believing anybody's going to make that trade until the criminal stuff is um off the table if that's off the table yeah i think i think more teams than people understand will be involved including a local team that shall go unnamed um you, you, and, and Ira that, kind of Ira, I Ira, have, but, um,
2: well our voice is still there we just kind of yeah. spun out we spun um, out for a second but we uh, didn't come yeah. back
3: Ira kind of talked about it as well in that uh, you know the youth of this player um, you know people complain about the age of Russell Wilson and still he's got many years in the prime of his career uh, Deshaun Watson quarterbacks of this talent aren't on the market at all, except for very strange circumstances. Obviously, these are very troubling, strange, whatever adjective you want to use. My point from just a football perspective is you usually can't get a quarterback this talented at that age on on the open market in the NFL. And talent versus tolerance. I mean, there are going to be more teams involved than people realize. There are a lot of teams that you can say right now in the NFL don't
2: have their quarterback locked in for the upcoming season that don't have a talent on their roster right now. Eagles included, sorry, Jalen Hurts, who have the talent level of Deshaun Watson. They just, there's only a handful of them out of 32 in the NFL. Some are close enough that they say, well, why would we trade for him as a whole bunch of teams that could absolutely justify paying a very steep price for Deshaun Watson but yeah, they're they're going to want a little bit more uh, knowledge as to when the Sean Watson will or won't be available to actually win football games for them. All right, brother, uh, a pleasure as always. We had two good guests today. We'll try and uh, wrestle up two more for tomorrow. I'd say we come back in twenty two hours. You up for it?
3: Let's do it. We got one game day, Kratz. It's Friday, so we got Eddie, and uh, we'll we'll get somebody. We'll wrangle somebody else.
2: Eddie Kretzmanana, right here on Birds 365.
10: If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify.